Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlife. Enjoy the episode. Just a language warning for this episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. Welcome to The Afterlight, and I'm joined today by Rachel Roberts, who is an author as well as a sacred dance teacher, a priestess, women's empowerment coach, and a flower essence coach. Rachel is the creatrix of Wolf Women Rising, a wisdom school where she empowers you to embody your wisdom, reclaim your authentic, wild, untamed self, and create a life lived on purpose. Through online community courses and training, as well as in-person retreats and workshops, Rachel initiates women into the fine arts, nature, alchemy, and divine connection. And Rachel is joining me today to talk about awakening your wildest dreams. We're going to be talking about returning home to your body, working with the wolf archetype, as well as limiting beliefs. We're going to talk about what those are and how to overcome them so that you can live an authentic and purposeful life. Now, Rachel, welcome to the show for our listener Um, At home, you don't know this because I have taken three times to do Rachel's bio because it is 7 a.m. and I haven't had my coffee yet. So I'm going to have my coffee now and that is going to give us a whole lot more uh, probably enthusiasm and clarity for the rest of our conversation. Rachel, thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. I thought it sounded great. <laughs> you're fantastic. Well, normally I'm a normally I'm a one take wonder, but not always, and not today. Well, that's okay. That just means that I need to just sit on back and just allow things to unfurl the way that they will. So, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really fascinated to talk about our subjects today. I um I've been doing this show now for quite a while, and I will say that I haven't had a lot of people discuss being in your body and really being comfortable with that and I think that very often for even spiritual people you know we're we're a lot of us on the soul path we really identify with being the soul but we're also here in a human vehicle and I believe that being able to really connect to that is super important I can't wait to get into that subject today as well as explore all things wolf related which I can see is a super big passion for you how did your spiritual journey begin Mm, so for me actually began with dance so I think this is why I'm so big on embodiment um because I found um my pathway to connect into my spirituality to my soul and to the divine through dance um so I actually began um teaching dance at a very early age so I was just 16 when I started teaching belly dance and um I found it through it was just destiny it was just meant to be and it was a real turning point for me like an initiation moment where I was finding that you know in society you know as women we're told to shame our body to change our body and this is one of the things I think leads to disconnect is because we're told it should be this should be that we're constantly trying to modify it to make it better to make it other than what it is and for me belly dancing told me that my body was sacred exactly what it was and I was I was learning to enjoy my body and that pleasure you know was a sacred act it wasn't something dirty it wasn't something that was for other people or to be done with other people it was something that was mine and mine alone 
And um, very early on, you know, I was 18, I started teaching dance meditation because I wanted other women to have that, you know, to have this experience of dance is bringing them back into their body, you know, because we do so many things that um, are to actually disconnect us, to take us away from our body. Um, and for me, you know, my body's always been my answer to everything. Mm. Um, it's a place I've always had to come back home to. So my spiritual path started with dance. Um, and at the same time, history. So this is why I kind of like, you know, combine the two together, the mythology mm. and the dance. So it's kind of this combination, I suppose, of mind and body. And um, yeah, so that's where I began. And that's where I still am. <laughs> I think that, you know, yeah, I love how you said, you know, that's where you come home to, because I love those quotes, mm. which is all about, you know, your home is your body and where else do you live? And, you know, all those sort of things. And it's so true. It's like, we really are, you know, we're in these vehicles for a reason. I, I believe personally that I chose the body that I'm in. And, you know, I find that when we are not in our body, we're kind of, I guess I could say that with my experience, I find that I spend a lot of time in my head. So in the top chakras, you know, and I learn a lot and it's interesting because I know you're also an academic. So it's a, it's cool blend that you have. I find that for me, I have to be really conscientious about doing things to bring me back into my body because I always sort of feel like I hover above it, which sounds maybe yeah. a little bit strange, but yeah. And when you're talking about dance, um, when I was in my you know late teens and all through my twenties, I used to dance almost every weekend at the club. I wasn't doing, although I did take <laughs> belly dancing actually a couple of times, which was Ooh, super fabulous. cool and fun. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I I do remember doing a meditation where I met my future self and, um, you know, the the prompt in the meditation was like, does she have any advice for you? And then, and my future self said, make sure you dance more. And so my dog and I often are known to have a breakout dance party in the middle of the day just to kind of get us out of, <laughs> get me out of my head and bring me back into my body. How do you yeah. find that? you know, you kind of are able to navigate being a spiritual thinker as an academic Mm -hmm. as well. And, and do you find that, you know, maybe the dancing and being in your body really helps you to kind of solidify all the information in a way that you can action it? Because I think many people, myself Mm -hmm. included, uh, sometimes we miss that part. We miss the part where everything kind of almost gets, I don't know, um, back into the body or something like yeah how does it sort of work for you yeah mm, yeah no I know what you mean um so one of my kind of mottos like my theme tune really is about transmuting and transforming knowledge into wisdom and um they're kind of like the two sacred sisters but um I kind of think of knowledge as all of that stuff that we put into our heads so all the things that we think about that we learn that we know but do we really know it until we've actually experienced it and experience is done in the body through the body yeah so that transmutation it can only become wisdom when it is lived when it's breathed and our way of experiencing it is as human you know we we weren't born as a a worm or a bird or a spirit or an elemental for this lifetime you're in a body for a reason and that's to experience being a human being Mm -hmm. um so you know we can have all this knowledge and um it's one of the things I found when I was, you know, doing my degree and my master's was I was gaining all of this knowledge and all this stuff. 
And I thought to myself, well, what's the point of having all this stuff if it's not going to be used? You know, it, it, to give knowledge that sacred purpose, it needs to become embodied. That's how it becomes wisdom. So you live it, you breathe it, you practice it. So even if you have, you know, say in yoga, you know, you have a theory, it's okay very well, you know, knowing that theory or say knowing love, but you know, you have to put it into action to actually, to actually really know it, to, to yeah. make it something that you can talk about, that you can speak about, that you can you live, you know, it's kind of almost useless in your head, I think, that we have to, we have to take it into our bodies to, to make it ours. Yeah, beautifully said, and embodiment is exactly the word that I was looking for, because it's one thing to sort of know something, but it's another thing to really feel it and live it like you're talking about, so that was so well put. One of the things that I notice is that, um, and for women in particular, because I do tend to work with a lot of women, as I believe you do as well, is that I think there's a lot of shame wrapped up in uh, sometimes being in our bodies, in um, having to look a certain way, like you were talking about sort of off the top. I teach uh, workshops, and one of the things that I have people do in some of them is mirror work which if you're not familiar with, you may be, but maybe our listener at home, it's when you legitimately look into a mirror and you talk to yourself or you just gaze into your eyes. And I know Louise Hay was a huge advocate for mirror work and when she was here. And I say here as in on the planet. <laughs> and, um, and I remember, you know, thinking that if I could assist women, the women that I'm working with to really look at themselves that they might see themselves in a different light. And I know for me, my relationship with my body has gone from one of really like hating my body to loving my body. And that was quite the journey and quite the, um, the focused journey, I guess you could say it was something that I really wanted to make sure that I did. And when I see some of these people in my workshops, look at themselves in the mirror, some of them can't do it. And some of them have given me, feedback to me, you know, at the end, which is basically like the mirror work was really difficult, or I wish there was less mirror work. So my question to you is really about how do you help women to really awaken into themselves, feel empowered in the body that they're in and really get to know themselves on a deeper level? Because I really feel that when we can learn to do that, then we can start to really start to do what we came here to do. Because up until then, there can be a lot of excuses, right? Like I don't look the way that I'm meant to, or when I lose five pounds, I'll do it. Or uh, I'm not a good public speaker yet because I don't like the shape that I'm in. So as soon as I get right, it's almost like tomorrow never comes mm -hmm. kind of idea. Thoughts on that? So one of the reasons why I absolutely love walls is that they teach us about authenticity so the way that walls work is they're amazing at teamwork and they're part of a pack. And what that make what makes the pack work is the fact that they're all contributing what they are. So you get packs, you know, members of the pack that are really good at hunting. Some are good at, you know, nurturing. So they'll be the babysitter. You know, some are kind of really good at, you know, showing and teaching the pups, and others, you know, are really good at paving away in the snow you know, there'd be no point putting that little pup wolf at the front of the pack, you know, when they're trying to go through a, you know, a snow drift because it would just go around in circles and get lost. <laughs> so that, you know, that the bigger wolves that are at the front, they're there not because of the alphas, they're just there because that's what they can contribute. Mm. Um, 
you know, it's their uniqueness, their difference, which is what they're contributing. And without that, you know, they that part is needed in the pack. It's almost like a body, you know. We can't all be hands, we can't all be feet, we can't all be the eyes. You know, we all contribute something completely different. And I think what happens is we are taught to fear different. We're, you know, that difference will be what sets us apart. And therefore it goes back really primitive that if we're set apart, then we'll be put out of the pack, we'll be left to die. You know, it all comes back to this yes. death, we'll be burnt at the stake. That difference, we've got this fear of death. Um, and so we we learn to fear our own difference. But if we can remember that our difference, actually, if we come down to it, essentially, is all we have. We can mm. only do ourselves, you know, that's that's the best that we can contribute is our difference. Um, you know, and I think that it's remembering that we are here in this this body. Like you weren't you weren't somebody else. If you were meant to be that other person you would have incarnated as that other person yeah you know you what makes you special is your difference nobody can speak like you can speak nobody looks like you can speak and all the ways that you look the ways that you act your skills your knowledge your experience comes together like baking a cake all these magical ingredients that makes you completely unique um, and actually it's that uniqueness that is needed so as part of the pack you know say if there were no wolves that could hunt in that pack they would all die you know they need someone that can do that role and so you're needed as well the way that you are because mm. your bit fits in a certain way it's doing something in particular that only you can do so actually you're doing a disservice not just yourself to but humanity to the planet to the cosmos by not playing your part and you know your part is completely based around how you look and what you do yeah mm. but I understand about the body shame it is a really difficult thing you know for men and women yeah um to go through and I think it's something that I say to my dancers you know practice makes progress it's practicing things like self-love and self-care and again it's all we talk about things in theory again like we were saying knowledge and wisdom well and you know in theory we can say oh I, I love you I love my body it's amazing but we need action, love and action to match that. So we need the body to match that, the physical actions. And when you practice that and keep practicing it, and it's the small things, even like, you know, we think about self-love and self-care, self-adoration, devotion as huge as big things, like big acts of love, you know, that we have to make like we would to our partner. But even brushing your teeth every day is an act of self-love and self-devotion. You're saying my teeth matter, I matter, my health matters. And you maybe you just do that and you disregard it. But that, you know, it's a huge thing. That is an act of self-love. So I think we put the pressure on, don't we? And say it should be this and it should be that. But actually, we are loving ourselves. We are doing the little things and um, keep practicing those little things. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important, like you're talking about, because it's really those small aligned actions that really lead to bigger changes. And like you're talking about, you might brush your teeth or floss your teeth and think it's not a big deal. But there are a lot of people who don't even do that, you know, or who don't floss their teeth, who don't recognize that those are parts of the journey of um, embracing the shape that you're in and the body that you're in. And I guess, you know, dressing in a way that you feel comfortable that supports your form, not maybe the form that you used to be or the form that you want to be, but the form that you're in right now, or even taking time to eat properly or drink enough water those are small things. I, I will say that I was going to ask you a question about how do you go from thinking these things to really knowing them and feeling them 
And then I had this vision and I don't know if this is part of the work that you do. So I'd love to hear, but I had this vision of almost doing like affirmations, but then same affirmations and then dancing the affirmations into our body. So is that part of the work that you do or yeah. yeah. Why did I get that, so again, that picture? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, definitely. Because I think this is what I mean about love in action. Like, you know, and sometimes it can feel really silly and a bit fake just saying, Oh, I love you in the mirror. I mean, that might work for some people. Yeah. Um, but for me, and I, I like doing that. It feels good, but I think actually love is showing up. You can say I love you however many times you want, but if your actions don't match that, it's about showing up and doing something in your body. And I think mm -hmm. like one of the things with wolves again is that they, they all use different, they do so many different ways to communicate, howling, you know, uh, whimpering, growling, whatever's authentic to them. And I think that um, love will have an authentic way of being in your body. You know, some people call it love languages in the yes. way that we kind of communicate love. And we think about this always in terms of our partners, but what is our love language of ourself as well? You know, mm. do, you know, some people will require, you know, kind of feeling it in a certain way or doing a certain thing, you know, like giving themselves gifts. That might be their way of self-devotion, you know, or it might be, you know, touching themselves. That's an act of self-devotion. The words, the affirmation might work, um, you know, or dancing. So dancing with themselves, you know, um, moving it, that's authentic, you know. And for me, I found that, you know, I embody through movement, like dancing is how I assimilate, is how I ground it, how I, I like to deeply connect into the feelings in my body. So I'm a very kind of feeling person. So, um, you know, things like I will know something's wrong because I will get like a deep kind of thing in my room where it'll like contract you know but that that's that's me you know so, some people will they'll react in a different way but it's learning I think your own love language and how that expresses you know through your body what do you need to do how do you need to to act and that can be very very different <laughs> wow. I said for me it is the dentist you know because I'm petrified of the dentist and the thought of going is like the most courageous act for me. Like I could talk in front of 5,000 people and it doesn't phase me, but going to the dentist does. <laughs> so for me, it's my biggest act of self-devotion, you know, whereas for other people, it, it, you know, it could be something different. It could be going to sleep early. It could be the affirmations in the mirror. It could be dancing, you know, whatever, whatever works. And you have to find that again through practice. Mm. I love it. how you were talking <laughs> earlier about, you know, it's okay to be different and how we're all here to play the role that we're playing. And I think that, you know, very often in society, we're really encouraged in a way to compare ourselves to other people or to look at people who have maybe made it and, and emulate them and not necessarily find our own path. And it's interesting because I also am very passionate about business and sales and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things is all that, that I often, you know, teach is, is about what's your USP, like your unique selling proposition. What is it about you that is different? And, you know, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about how, you know, one size doesn't fit everybody. And that's the same with everything all the time. Like some people don't like a certain thing, maybe in that form, but they might like it in another form. Or some people want to be given information in a certain way, but not in another way. And some people like belly dance and some people like ballet. Some people like the fusion of the two together. And, and that's what makes it such a cool world is that 
we all have these different ideas. We all have different preferences. And when we allow ourselves to shine and do what we came here to do, we really do allow other people to shine their light just as brightly. So I do want to talk about the concept of limiting beliefs, because I do believe that we very often get in our own way. So I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about how do you define a limiting belief? Is it something that we've learned? Is it something that we've inherited? Is it something that we maybe have no idea why we believe that? And do you think that when we're talking about limiting beliefs that we have to get to the root of the limiting belief? Or is it just like sometimes a superficial thing? So again, for me, it comes back to authenticity. So anything that isn't authentic will make us lesser than ourselves. So any way that we're imitating or choosing something that isn't authentic to us, whether that's inherited or whether that's through copying or whether that's through obligation or judgment or self-criticism, is leading us away from our authenticity. So I think the most important pathway that we can do is is finding who we truly are, what our truth is. And again, our body will tell us every second of the way whether yeah. something is authentic or not to us um so for example like um a few years ago I was kind of um in this position where I was made redundant and I was kind of going through in my mind like you know what do I do next like I don't know how to go forward and I knew what I should do and if should ever comes up that it should be an alarm bell like if you say should that's like Whoa, you need to listen <laughs> <laughs> like you you know that's that's already that's a thing that's saying you probably shouldn't um that's but you actually know, I was cool like, thinking... like should is a gateway word <laughs> to you know something else like there's something else there because you know we're often a lot of people will say myself included, oh, we want to remove that word from the dictionary in our brains. But at the same time, <laughs> if we go, oh, actually, I'm going to turn should into a gateway of mindfulness to go, uh -huh. yeah. what is my head voice telling me to do? My head voice is saying that I should do blah, blah, blah. So that means there's something here for me to explore. I love that. I just wanted to uh -huh. explore yeah. that further no, for I a just, second. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's always been a ringing bell. Whenever I've said should, it means that I probably shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's always like because I then I think about authenticity so that should I mean just think about the word should now just say it to yourself and see how that feels in your body there's probably some kind of resistance I don't know where you feel it but for me I feel it in my chest yeah so I, feel I feel it in feel my it like chest a, a too. coming in yeah so it's a totally. closing in yes um just that word should so it's obligated now if you really wanted to do it that should wouldn't even come up you know so it, it kind of um I said with the, this authenticity so if you when you're listening to your body and feeling that with that should just as an example then that's going to help you recognize when it's when it's a limiting you know when it's a limiting belief when it's something that's not authentic you will feel it in your body and there's so many different ways that you can listen so my body you know like for me it comes into my, my heart literally caves in whenever I think of something that's limiting so it's not authentic um I think sometimes our heart can allow us to do things maybe that are self-limiting. I think our body gives us probably the best signal. Our mind definitely can go for the logical and the, definitely goes for the self-limiting thoughts because, you know, it tries to understand, it tries to comprehend. This is where the knowledge is. It's working things out, but the wisdom's in the body. 
but I do think they all have to work together and contribute, you know, so the mind would recognize perhaps it's a self-limiting thought. It would go, aha, okay, I've heard that word should. And then you would feel that in your body, how you're reacting to what you've just said. And then perhaps then you can take that moment to then connect your higher self that would, would let you know how to proceed forward with that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's a, <laughs> it's a combination know, for, like, for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because you're all... talking about, Oh, go ahead. You go. No, I was going to say, it's like all the tools in our toolbox, you know, yeah. we've got all these different ways that our, our body, our soul, our mind, our heart, they all have an opinion and they all have a perspective on everything. Um, but actually also when we say self-limiting belief, that's already a judgment. Just saying that is a judgment. Mm. We've decided that's what it is, you know, full stop. And we've created something. Um, so I think by labeling that, like, for me, I, I kind of really struggle with, with labels. I think that labels kind of box something. Um, so we kind of, it's so easy for us to go into kind of judgment and conditions, you know, and we go, oh, that's a really self-limiting thought. Well, is it? Or are we making it that? Or have we decided mm -hmm. it's that? What if it's not? What if it's a warning? And this is when we can come back to our body. So actually, if we, we have told ourselves, oh, that's a self-limiting thought, but actually it feels good in our body. Maybe it isn't. So I yeah. think, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just funny. We could because, be talking for hours about this. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm just noticing all of the little pieces, you know, that you're kind of throwing in because it's funny, you know, for where, you know, you and I are probably similar, been working on a lot of this stuff for a long time. So, you know, mindfulness is kind of second nature or when we're not being mindful, we're aware of it. Being in the body in a way is second nature. Um definitely for you, something that I've been working on, you know, and improving on every day. Um, but one of the things that I guess I want to talk about is like, so you're talking a lot about body wisdom. And so for me, because I'm a medium, I also am clairsentient, which you would be as well and empathic. So we feel a lot of stuff and I can feel in my body, you know, when I'm connecting to a soul, for example, who's past, I can feel a lot of things in my body that belong to them. So I'm, I have been working at understanding number one, how I feel in my body before I'm connecting with the soul. And then how I feel when I'm connecting with that soul, because then I'm able to ascertain what doesn't belong to me because I did almost an inventory of how I felt before. Do you think mm -hmm. that a big part about, uh, you know, I guess tuning into your body is also having those key moments as we navigate our day to kind of maybe question and ask ourselves, well, how am I feeling right now? Because a lot of us have anxiety. A lot of us are kind of in a flight or fight response, right? You know, fear of death, all those yeah. sort of things. A lot of us are mm -hmm. kind of going through in our, um, the day in our mind, and we're not always coming back into our body, or we're not looking at our body's anxiety or, you know, the things that our body is showing up for us as maybe warning signs or clues or almost like a little navigational system that it's letting us know. So how do you kind of start it is, does it come down to being mindful? I mean, would you say tapping into the body wisdom is almost the first step or is mindfulness does mindfulness have to come first so that you can be aware that you're not in your body initially because i don't know can you do both at the same time <laughs> yeah 
So just yeah. let some I think, I mean, why not? You know, anything's <laughs> possible. And I think they do need to work together. You know, there's benefits and gifts from both the mind and the body. They both contribute something different, you know. So our body is kind of given as our instinct, you know. It's given us our physical reaction, which we can interpret. And then a mind is kind of given as kind of, you know, memories and things like that that we can also access. So they they can work together. Um but I do think that actually, especially in our modern day and age, that our disconnection from our body is, is more so than our disconnection from our mind. So I do think the answer mm. just does lie in the body. Mm. Um, I mean, you're in your body all the time. Like there's no, there's no point where you're not in your body. You are a physical being. You're not a spirit, although you are a soul in a body. If that makes sense. But you're mm-hmm. not just a spirit is what I'm trying to say. Um you know, so it's always there and it's constantly communicating with you every single second. It is sending you signals. It's talking to you. It's trying to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think the mindfulness can contribute in that we can come into stillness. We can choose with our minds right now. I'm going to take two seconds. Like, And I think, you know, say let's use food as an example. Say you were to come, you know, come and eat something just before you eat that thing use your mindfulness your mind to bring yourself into your body to to give yourself the structure that kind of masculine um kind of way of that boundary of these five minutes or even less five seconds i am going to be still with this piece of food and then you're going to hold that piece of food and look at that piece of food you're going to maybe smell it you're going to look at it see it take all of it in with your eyes you know all of your senses you're then going to feel how your body reacts so is your body contracting is your body opening is it excited are you turned on or actually you feeling really heavy from that and then you can offer the gift of those reactions and then send them back to the mind and the mind can then reflect on that and go okay well what does this mean you know maybe even invite the heart into that conversation and the heart's like okay, well, I feel really heavy because I know that this isn't good for me. And, you know, and then, you know, you feel other things coming up. So I think the mind can complement, facilitate the body mm-hmm. and the other way around as well, you know. So um, if the mind's overrunning, so it's going, I shouldn't eat that, I shouldn't eat that, I shouldn't eat that, step away from the food for a minute, walk around the block, put on your favourite music, dance, yeah. and then see if you want that piece of food. Yeah, you totally. know, so they can they definitely work together. Yeah. I don't think it should be one or the other. I don't think we should kind of kind of reject anything. Just see what's possible. You know, anything mm. and everything is possible. Just <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> just I guess it's taking the time to see your own your own you know, truth within that, I suppose, you know, are you really in the body? Are you really in the mind? Are you seeing the fusion of the two? Are you taking the space to really sit within that, within your, your own body? And then, you know, of course, in your mind, I like that a lot. And one of the things too, I will say is that I love your idea about if you're feeling like, oh, I shouldn't eat, let's just say a piece of cake, because that's a pretty easy thing to, for people to go, I don't know if I should eat this cake, you know, this piece of cake or whatever. I love the idea of maybe stepping away for a minute and going and doing something that's going to raise your vibration. Because I believe personally, we should never do anything if we're not really authentically in it or feeling good, you know, because then we're going to end up eating guilt 
or doing something mm-hmm. that's really going to shame ourselves. So if you're going to eat that piece of cake, do it from a place of feeling good and being excited about the opportunity that you have this versus mm-hmm. feeling shameful. So I, I love that yeah. a lot. What are some of the actually, blocks? Oh, Go, ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, you know, sometimes when we want that piece of cake, it's actually indicating that we do want something and it might not actually be that piece of cake. So this is why it's good to kind of have that moment. Like um, for me, kind of like cake, you know, sugar in general is my go-to if I'm feeling lonely, um, you know, yes. and I've come to recognize that from just stopping and engaging with the cake, you know. <laughs> Yeah. are you my best friend cake yeah. no you're not um but you yeah, know you're like, only here for two be... seconds uh... yeah, no exactly <laughs> but you know it can be a really good indication you know, that you are actually wanting something so it's it's not bad at all that's the thing that I don't like is when people like say oh I'm really bad for wanting that cake and it's like no you're actually you're want you're feeling something and your yeah. feelings are valid every single feeling you have is valid nothing is wrong like you cannot be wrong you are feeling something there and that feeling again is a signpost to something you know so do you actually need to walk around the block do you want some self-pleasure do you need to go and talk to your best friend you know instead of talking to the cake you know know, whatever you know I think that you know so yeah (laughs) yeah can you have a cup of tea and maybe read a good book for a minute if you're looking for that Mm -hmm. if you're feeling lonely for example can you dive into a a book that you know with some of your friends that's how I feel about my books I'm like oh my friends are over here (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) what are some of the usual blocks or struggles that you see in the uh in the people that you work with you know in overcoming or or being comfortable with with being who they are here and in the form that they're in so I think with my clients and students probably the biggest one that we've had is trust and trusting self and trusting life and trusting the universe I mean we're we're I can't seem told that we you know we need to seek permission from other people so when we're younger we need permission from our parents to do things we need and um, we can only learn what our teachers tell us you know we need permission to go somewhere we have to be in here and we have to be in and there and you know these boundaries and structures are there for our benefit to protect us but also we learn to wait for permission from other people Um, And so we we start seeking that permission all the time, you know, as an adult, we kind of are waiting for other people to offer us validation. And we learn to kind of mistrust ourselves and our own inner authority. Um, So I see this is the biggest thing that comes up, like often people come to me, I like, yeah, I, you know, I want to heal, I want to sort this out. And I'm like, well, why have you done it already? And they're like, Oh, I'm kind of waiting for my mum, you know, (laughs) you know, we, we get to the bottom of it, they're kind of like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'll only do this, but when this happens or, you know, they come down to it, you know, when we work through it with the flower essences and things, it always comes down to the awaiting permission because they don't trust themselves. And I think part of that as well is that if you trust yourself, then you are fully responsible for your Mm. actions and your thoughts. And a lot of people don't want to take responsibility, you know, because they because then it's all on them. You know, and it, that's a courageous thing to be doing, you know, to own yourself and to own what you're doing and to say it's okay to make mistakes. We're so worried about being wrong again. We're from childhood, yeah. you know, about being told off. You know, we're to- scared of being told off, of being wrong. But actually, I think the thing that I work with most of my clients is coming into a place where it's okay to be wrong 
and then actually transforming that word wrong knowing that you can't be wrong everything is just a lesson everything yeah. is learning everything is a contribution there's a gift in everything you know everything experience that we go through even the really negative and horrible and messy and kind of shitty things you know they they have a they have a lesson there they have a gem yeah. we can take away from them you know so there's no wrongness so we just need to trust that we we are capable that that we can we can do it and again it sounds easy but it takes practice 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 just try it and then try it again and then keep trying it until it becomes habit <laughs> yeah I love that you said that and I know for myself you know even a little while ago I was berating myself for something that wasn't a big deal at all and I remember I kind of like had this conversation with myself I was walking around my property and I'm like you know wanting to just kind of let it go and I remember I, I said to myself it was like why is it that I, it's always interesting when you have these conversations with yourself, by the way, but I was thinking, <laughs> why am I looking at this as the end of the world when I could be looking at it as going, oh, I guess I didn't handle that the way that I probably will next time. Okay. La la la, let it go. You know, why is it that we get into these spiraling sort of situ situations and scenarios? And, and I think a big part of that is so I did some, um, some soul searching a while ago as well, in terms of the ego. And I was like, okay, so why does the ego make things into bigger stories or make up lies or create these scenarios that never happen? You know, what is it about it? And, uh, I mean, spirits always talking to me, so I thank them for this, but they're like saying that, well, the ego does that to get your attention. Because when you are enraptured and wrapped up in some story or some shame spiral or some kind of idea of how things, you know, let's bring that should have been word back or how we could have done things differently and how, you know, what we do is we're taking ourselves out of the present moment, which is our present position of power, right? We're not listening to our body's wisdom anymore. We're not noticing that our bodies all of a sudden, our hearts starting to alight as we're like turning left, we're not noticing that we're following some sort of golden breadcrumb there. And we're not noticing when we get a little bit of anxiety and we've turned right instead of going left, you know, we're, we're out of the, you know, we're not noticing that we're not noticing those moments where maybe a spirit um, like our, our guides will give us a sign or something like that. You know, a lot of us have these little private omens that we have that are, are, our guides used to kind of navigate us. We're not noticing the beautiful wolf picture that's just gone by on the bus for some kind of advertisement to let us know that we're safe and we're part of the pack. And, and I think that, you know, when we have the ego, that's really making up these scenarios. It takes us away from our present position of power. And yeah, I just love how you're, you're bringing that up. You're kind of saying that, you know, it's not about having a solution for it right now, but it's about noticing and then giving ourselves permission to just not have everything figured out and to continue to grow and work on it every single day. And then, like you said, eventually one day it'll be second nature because we'll have been doing all of these little micro aligned steps to take us to where we want to be. Yeah. I mean, life is an experience, you know, I kind of think of it as a dance, <clears throat> you know, we're kind of, we're learning the choreography as we go along and, you know, we might like when I'm creating choreography for my students, you know, I might do something, then we get to class and actually it doesn't work, you know, because the yeah. key sticks are different or they're not okay with that move yet. Or, you know, and that that's fine. We just change, we evolve, we pivot. And um, it's funny because as you were just saying what you were saying, like the image that came to my mind in my head was like, 
remember watching my cat the other day and she just stuck her leg up in the air and started licking her lady bits like <laughs> I and she wasn't bothered like what I thought like you know she was just not thinking like oh I might fall off the sofa or what's Rachel <laughs> thinking of me like she can see my bottom you know like you know she, <laughs> she was just there just enjoying it being in the moment and I thought like gosh imagine all the things that would go through my head if I just like started doing that in the middle of like you know a cafe or something <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I'd be thinking what people think of me you know whatever I mean I probably wouldn't even get my leg up in the first place yeah. but you know I just you know when you were saying that then I was just thinking like animals are such an example you know of how to be in the moment yeah like life is, is an experience you know and I I truly believe that our purpose as humans is to just exist, to just be here. Our destinies may be about how we express ourselves and what we're uniquely meant to do. But I think our purpose is just to be, to yeah. just be human, to be in this experience. You know, we, we might come back as a cat and experience the pleasure of licking oneself wherever you want. Um, but, you know, <laughs> for this experience, you know, you are you are a human and um, mm -hmm. with all that goes along with that, you know, every single aspect, none of it's wrong. It's all there to be experienced and it all contributes. Yeah, I saw on um, Instagram a little while ago this quote and it just said, yikes. Oh, well, there's always tomorrow. I just thought that was the best, you know, because it just yeah. allows you to see the the lightness and the ease and within stuff, you know, like our mind makes things so much more serious than they need to be. Whereas yeah, if we just yeah. go, oh, yikes. Oh, well, there's always tomorrow. And then we can just keep on rocking it, you know, as opposed well, to going yeah. in the shame spiral, which kind of traps a lot of us for periods of time. Yeah. I mean, what is the worst that could happen? You know, like. I know like a lot of um like a lot of my dancers, you know, they come in thinking, worrying about when they first start out, like, oh, I you know, a bit nervous about kind of dancing. And I kind of say to them, What's the worst that could happen? You know? What truly think about it? What is the worst that could happen? You come here and you have a dance, you have a moment of feeling a bit a little bit, oh, but what's the worst yeah. thing that could happen in this situation? Actually, like you said, the, the brain has created like this long story, like really yeah. evolved. It shows how creative we are as humans. Like, you know, totally. all this stuff that could happen. You're like, wow. You're like, whoa, you're just in class. You're here to dance. Enjoy your body. Yeah. No biggie. Yeah. You know, just be And here. everyone it's here okay. is doing it too, right? They're not all looking at you. Yeah, They're actually exactly. in their own body, figuring this out for themselves on their own journey. Yeah. yeah. I think we need to talk about the subject of wolves now. And um, I know I've kind of left like a huge subject to the end, which isn't cool of me, but <laughs> I mean, so you've written two books about wolves. You're, you're really uh, talk a lot about the wolf archetype. You talk about embodying wolf energy, wolf spirit. So before we get to that, cause I know there's so many lessons to be learned within the wolves. And actually, even as I do that, I can feel like you just got really excited. I think you're like, what is it about wolves and have you always been attracted to the subject or did wolves somehow mm. find you? How did it all kind of begin? So it's funny actually, because when people like ask me, you know, they, they assume that my favorite animal is wolves and it's not actually my favorite animals are actually lions. I'm a big cat person. <laughs> But like, for me, like the line has always been like my masculine kind of energy. And for mm. me, the wolf has always been a way for me to connect to my feminine. So the more that I've come into my feminine self, the more I've connected 
to the wolf um because for me like and the wolf is about that primal untamed um self you know um so kind of <clears throat> for me really my first major initiation with wolves was through the mythology um of the goddess Lupa. so she's the goddess i wrote my first book about um and for her she came at that time when i was talking about before where i didn't know you know where to go after i was made redundant and i found myself in a really dark cave and I read her mythology where she took, um, you know, the founders of ancient Rome down into the cave and initiated them there. And I was like, wow, this is where I am. And like, you know, if I, I mean, this is the way that I tick, but if I'm like, say, reading a book and something stands out to me like a name, I see that again as a signpost. Um, and she kept coming up again and again and again. And I was like, well, there's a reason for that. So I read her mythology and I just got, it was so relevant at that time. Like, I believe that like, whatever you call it div you know divine deity god goddess spirits whatever you know they will align with you you know when you're ready so they will come and they will kind of be there with you for that particular moment to share their particular gifts and teachings um perhaps they'll stay with you perhaps they're a, a lifetime guide or just a momentary guide but mm -hmm. um for me, you know, wolves have been about this again like the three principles principles of my wolf woman rising school um, which is about authenticity, trust and courage for those, those three have been my biggest lessons. Um, and that's therefore what I teach. And those are the lessons that I think that wolves embody the most and can teach us the most about. Um, so, I mean, I adore them. I could talk about them for hours. <laughs> Both, yeah. you know, the, the wolf in real life and also wolf spirit, wolf archetypes, you know, guardians, deities, there's a huge wealth of, of knowledge there that we can, transform into our own wisdom yeah I love how you know you also talked about in your book where you're talking about how you can see women almost embody the wolf spirit and that's when they really stand up and they are expressing their freedom and their integrity and then they're seeking alignment with their truth and you know um I know that like societal pressure and judgments of those around us can really interfere with that. Um, but one of the things that I love about embracing or looking at animal spirits, not only wolves, is that we can draw on their characteristics, draw on their energy. I remember many, many years ago, I don't know where I learned this, but someone was talking about the masculine and the feminine and how when you're really wanting to kind of mix the two together in a balanced way. And I don't really know if it's like, 50 50 at all right it's just balanced for whatever it is for you at that moment depending on what you need it for but I remember the person was teaching me they're like look at someone in your life who embodies the masculine and the and the feminine in a, in a way and then see whether or not you can emulate some of that you know not copy but almost be inspired by it but I love the idea how when you have an archetype like the wolf that, mm -hmm. that there's like this kind of energy that you can tap into that you can then embody into your own life, such as mm -hmm. courage, such as leadership, such as, um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Because I think that as women, you know, and we're talking about women in, in here, you know, so if you're a man listening, you know, yeah. you're still included in the conversation. It's just that, you know, I know that your book talks a lot about women as well, standing up and becoming these, mm -hmm. these leaders of their pack. And I think that for a long time, we were sort of shied away from doing that again, probably from fear of death. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So one of the things that most intrigues me about the wolf pack is that the alpha is actually the she-wolf. Mm-hmm. So every pack is made of an alpha female and an alpha male, and they'll be the parents of that pack. And then all their puppies are like the rest of the pack. But it's a she-wolf that will lead. And she leads in a way in that she'll make decisions. So she'll kind of um, be the authority and the decider. So she'll listen to her intuition, her kind of her knowledge and her wisdom. And then, you know, she'll kind of go like, okay, I want to go over there now. And then her her wolf, who you know, her alpha wolf will be like, okay, I'll totally sort that for you. So he'll facilitate that and mm-hmm. he will, she'll dream and then he will like kind of like dream it awake, you know, he'll kind of turn it into physical. So yeah. they're a great example of how the masculine and the feminine can work in that way. So the father wolf, you know, will create the boundaries um, so that the female wolf is able to birth inside and they can be a really great example of how the masculine and the feminine works. So the masculine, I was felt that it is like a bank you know and the female is like the river that runs through so we need mm-hmm. solid banks you know as the inner masculine so this will be our structure our discipline um, our action yes. to allow that feminine flow to come through and you know walls are kind of a primary example of that and if you look at kind of in nature you know nature should be our first example because it's unpolluted and it's unchanged you know we kind of bit disconnected a bit so if we look at nature as our example you know even just like look at all the male birds you know it's always the male that makes the effort (laughs) he always goes out of his way like you know he'll organize the day and you know he'll bring her a present and then he'll you know court her and all this and like even like modern dating is a bit like requiring the the female to kind of chase after the male whereas the you know the egg is receptive she waits there she sits there on her throne and waits for the you know the sperm to come to the egg you know and she's there embodied and like she knows her worth and she stands in her value she doesn't need to chase um you know I, and I think that nature shows us that that this is a, a way that masculine and feminine works and I'm not talking just biological because we all have masculine and feminine within us yeah we're all kind of like a, you know different levels and I believe that we have emotional gender and physical gender and they're two very different things um but we all contain the masculine and feminine in different proportions so some of us will be kind of kind of know our feminine better or know our masculine better and they do need to work together and wolves are a great example not of just that working in a partnership but of that working in a pack context as well again this authenticity and uniqueness how we all contribute our different way of expressing that you know as well in your book you said that uh she lupa is a guardian of alchemy that will support you Mm. in turning base metal into gold that is your woundings and fears into gifts and purpose so when you're talking about understanding the wolf pack you're talking about understanding the alpha male and female you're talking about understanding in a way the roles that we play the the female being the visionary in a way the creator and then the the, the the male being the one that goes and brings everything into fruition in a way into the physical. Yeah. I guess I'm sort of wondering how is it that we can take that spirit and work with it in our own lives. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, if I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I really want to tap into my purpose, but I'm afraid of doing this interview or something like that. Right. So do you sort of sit and you call on the energy of 
of maybe Lupa or of like a, a strong, like a strong wolf vibe. And then you just sort of sit with that. Do you look at pictures of wolf, of wolves? Do you howl for a little bit and try to feel a little bit about that? Do you like yeah. look at wolves running? <laughs> yeah. Is it all of those things? It, it's really a lot yeah. about that conscientious intention. Do you have to go in meditation? Yeah. Sort of how do you kind of facilitate that mm. energy to come through you? to help you to, you know, turn base yeah. metal into gold, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I think I'm going to sound like a tape repeating here, but authenticity again, and being authentic in every moment, mm -hmm. what you're going to need in every moment is going to be different. So, you know, sometimes we go and we label ourselves, like I'm the meditator, I'm the dancer, like kind of people sometimes do label me as dancing like you must always dance and like actually sometimes what I need is stillness you know so what sometimes what I need mm -hmm. is reading so I mean in my books I kind of give different ways to connect to different wolf archetypes so say if you were to work um you wanted to embody the energy of the wolf pup which is about playfulness about pleasure about learning how to you know be excited by the world again about reigniting that yes. joy you might be wanting to do something that's a little bit more lively you know that's a, including things like touch you know especially and then if you were looking at say embodying say father wolf you know he's really about kind of enforcing boundaries so the father wolf will go out and scent mark the boundaries so for him you might want to be looking at structure so he might be the type of energy you want to embody if say you wanted to timetable in some self-care um and then you know the the female wolves are going to help you with that intuitive like actually aligning with what it is that you want to say put in you know as the things you're going to do in that structured time so they all kind of contribute differently and then I kind of I work in my second book also with the elemental walls so walls in the real world you have coastal walls we have walls that are in the forest walls you know that can be in the cave and they're embodying the different elements and again that offers different pathways again so if you were to work more in the air realms um, with the elder walls you'd be doing maybe things more like meditation with the walls you know visualizing with the walls mother and father wolf you might be more kind of like you know um feeling into your body doing movement and then the lone wolf might be if you're embodying that energy or you want to at this time in your life or for a particular reason or a particular healing the lone wolf would do its work alone you know whereas the other wolves might work in a pack she might want community work you know so it's kind of gonna vary and it's mm. about discerning what it is that you need yeah. And so you'd be like, okay, this is where I am. This is what I need right now. This is where I want to go. This is my my aim or this is what I need to heal. And then you would look at your kind of, your the find the pathway that fits with that. So being discerning, you know, and saying, mm, this is what resonates most. And I'll try, try that. You know, sometimes like howling is what is most needed. Um, but actually then for sometimes not howling is what's needed. So say if, you know, you're, take anger as an example you know if you're someone that's withheld your anger you've held it back a lot and you've not expressed that anger howling is possibly what you need like really loud opening up the throat chakra yes yeah, if you're someone that is constantly shouting and arguing and just it's the fire spills out you actually probably need to come back into stillness and not howl and learn to to soothe that you know by being in the quiet and actually maybe choosing to learn and express whimper rather than howl mm. um so it's gonna yeah you've got to really 
get curious and just see what's really present, you know, and work with what what you've got in that moment, like we were saying before. What am I feeling now? Where am I now? You know, forget about the precedence or, you know, what you did before or what you think you should do. Just now, what do you need right now without judgment, without conditions, you know, even if it's not what you normally do, it's not what you expect. What do you need right now? Yeah, I love that. And so it sounds to me in a way that you were really drawn to lions, which led to wolves. And then you started to almost unpack a lot of that. It's almost as though you went, okay, like, what is it about this that's really drawing me in? And then at as you explored the different facets of the way that the pack works and the different roles that, you know, the different wolves play within the pack, that you were able to also see that by embodying some of these different characteristics, you can really almost have, it's almost like the whole wolf pack lives within you Mm -hmm. in a way. Right. And then you're like, which role, which part of the pack am I being right now? Mm -hmm. So do you kind of encourage people that if, if somebody has a real affinity for like birds or, I know a lot of people are snake people. A lot of people are dog people, which we could say is connected as well to the wolf, wolf pack. Um, to maybe kind of do some self-exploration to see what is it about that particular animal that maybe is wanting to connect with you, get to know you a little bit better. And are there characteristics and things that you can bring into your own life to start to harness that? Because I think a big part of working with archetypes is understanding that we can learn to embody these different characteristics and skills and abilities to be able to become more realized in a way, right? Because we're not all necessarily born with courage right away. Sometimes we are, but then it's dampened over time and we have to learn to express yeah. that. So if you could almost play the role of something that's embodying that courage, it allows you to do that almost like we're acting in a way and then it becomes our truth. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think we're attracted to things for a reason, you know? Yeah. Um. So, you know, if you you might just you might have a really favorite animal well have you ever considered yeah why is, is there something in your life that you're meant to embody it or you're meant to learn from it in this lifetime and even stages throughout your life like when I've looked back on my life you know there's been certain stages where I've been like obsessed with like say pigs and then then frogs and then you know there's kind of been animals and if I look back and say my journals I'm like well that animal and its characteristics actually make sense what I was going through at yeah. that time you know mm-hmm. I mean um <clears throat> the she will for me very much came forward when I'd been you know embracing my sensuality my primal wild feminine that just like is just untamed she's shaking the rules and she's just going out and doing what is authentic she very much came forward for that um yeah, you know, if I was needing something else and there might be another animal that I would be drawn to, you know, and I, I do think we have some, almost like I call them our spiritual council, which are maybe our deities or our guides, our guardian angels that are particular to us. I think we also have animals that are particular to us as well. Even flowers as well, the flower essences, I always get people that always have a favorite yes. flower. And when they learn the healing of it, they're like, well, that's like my life path. There's a yes. reason why we're drawn to it. You know, it draws in, it tracks us, even if it's the color or the the sounds, the characteristic, there'll just be something. You know, if you find yourself kind of like, normally when you know when you say you've got a favorite animal, I don't know if your relatives do this, but they start buying you everything. Like when you blanket, said pigs, blanket. I was like, oh God. Because I mentioned one <laughs> yeah. time in passing when I was 13, something that I like, 
and I got pig slippers and pig house coat and pig pajamas and pig... <laughs> I was like they make pig uh-huh. earrings yes they do like <laughs> I know yeah it's crazy isn't it but like I think it's like that's really like dropping a hint like you need to look at what this animal means right now yeah. <laughs> so you must be like really like go on like you need to work with this but it does make me laugh that you like don't mention your favorite animal to anyone yeah. or you'll get everything <laughs> yeah that's hilarious and that is so true you know, when you were talking earlier too, and I know we're going to wrap up in a second here, but you know, just about embracing, you know, the she-wolf, like I was thinking about, okay, like what about in my own life, where have I been drawn to an animal or something? And I remember I was going through some stuff and I really wanted, you know, a sign or, and I ended up getting a new, um, four new spirit guides, which were dragons. And I remember even just going for my walk and feeling them around me. And I just felt so confident and powerful because I was like I got my team here I'm not just walking Mm -hmm. alone and I know (laughs) we're not alone and the big motivation for the spiritual for this podcast is to remind people that we're not alone like I always say that's what this podcast is about and when Mm -hmm. I felt that energy around me I felt brave I felt courageous I felt like I could take on the world and that my dragon sister was like firing legit with Mm -hmm. fire anything in front of me that wasn't going to serve me. And it made me feel just so awesome. So I can totally Mm. see how powerful it is when you're being intentional and you're allowing that, those messages and the embodiment of that to come through, you really can turn metal into gold with that kind of intention. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's allowing yourself to receive it's asking for help and I think asking for help is hugely courageous you know we're you know we're expected as women to always be kind of self-sufficient and self-supporting and allowing ourselves to be supported and helped and even sometimes like you know you sit back and let that dragon just like you do that work for you sometimes that's what you actually need to do you know is allowing your yourself to be supported in so many ways as well like you can't take too much from your guides like and the divine you know that their their love is unconditional and unlimited and it's us it's us that says oh I can only have this much I'm only allowed this much I only deserve this much whereas actually you know your your potentiality is huge and there's so much out there to support and guide you you know, there's no reason why you can't connect to 50 different animals and have them the whole lot, the whole in line behind you, you know, walking down the street. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So beautiful. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for being here. It's been a really interesting, fascinating conversation. And I will say to our listener at home as well, that if you are interested in learning a little bit more as well about flower essences to heal, maybe, maybe liaise with Rachel because we didn't talk about that today but I will say that I haven't worked with Rachel on that subject but I use flower essences almost every day in my own life and for me they've just been a huge game changer so I really um, advocate that kind of work so is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to bring up and also how can people get a hold of you and I'll put links to your website as well in the uh, in the show notes yeah no I think we we covered loads of yummy things <laughs> we yeah, could talk for hours I think like I wish these yeah. podcasts would go on for days but yeah, yeah I um know. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, if anybody wants to know more you know about anything that I've mentioned they can always just get in touch so um my website is wolfwomanrising.com um I'm also on Instagram <clears throat> Facebook I have a Facebook group uh you know we're a community there and then there's also um I'm quite active on YouTube as well so any of those platforms just find me at Wolf Woman Rising. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Come and have a chat. (laughs) Yes. So good. Thank you. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.